Do you remember the old song about the mulberry bush? The lyrics talk about going round and round, over and over again. In life, when we deal with our issues, it can be just like that. It can be a never-ending cycle, experiencing the issues over and over again. We can feel trapped, helpless, buried even. But our God has way more for us than just going around failure after failure. He wants to free us from the destructive patterns that keep us cycling round and round. No more beating around the bush. Even the mulberry ones. Hello, Freedom House Central Campus. You guys doing great today? Glad to be in God's house. It's always great to be here with you at Central Campus. And before I get going today, I just have to address something. Um, I was attacked viciously, egregiously from this platform just last week. Your very own campus pastor, Pastor Stephanie, she said, him right there. He goes to all the other campuses and he says that they're his favorite campus. You believe she would say that? Such a thing. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. The central campus, you guys set a really high bar, okay? So the other campuses, sometimes they feel a little inferior. And so if I have to use a little white lie just to encourage them, right, you guys will understand, amen? Because there's only one central campus, right? Come on. So you know, you know who you are, and you guys set a high bar. So, you know, come on, get over it, get over it. It'll be okay. Well, my name's Olin Carter. I serve here on our teaching team. If you're new to Freedom House Church, welcome. We're so happy you're here. And I'd love to meet you if you've never um, met myself. Your campus pastor's here. You guys stand up. Pastor Aaron, Pastor Stephanie Blanton, they're incredible campus pastors. They would love to meet with you. Um, a, A big part of our vision as a church is that we have a live communicator, a pastor bringing God's word Um, each and every week at all of our campuses. And we do that because as a church, we have a vision not to build the church on one person. Can I get an amen? Amen. Churches shouldn't be built on one person, a celebrity, a personality. There's only one celebrity. His name is Jesus. And so I love to take just a moment to honor our senior pastor. It takes some secure leaders to allow that culture, right? And so can we just give it up for our senior pastors, Pastor Troy, Pastor Penny? They don't ask us to do that, but I love to honor them. Because of that vision, them allowing that, I get to be up here each week, and we have a great team of people. And it means in this team, you have a part to play as well. And so we do everything um, as a church. We do everything as a team. And um, also, before I jump in, I want to greet those that are with us online today. We have folks tuning in all around the world. Um, We have people right now in California, New York, Kentucky, Georgia, Florida, New Hampshire, Virginia, West Virginia, Alaska, and Puerto Rico. You guys give it up for them. We're so happy you're with us. You're a big part of our family as well. We love you guys. And uh, one last thing before I jump into the message today. How many of you can tell me what's happening this Tuesday? Freedom Night, but also voting. Right? Our primary election. Now, the ones of you that were like, I don't know, I'm hoping you maybe already early voted. 
but it's really important. How many of, you, how many of us are going to vote in the primaries? It's important. It's very, very important. And let me just tell you, I did this myself, so I'm telling you what I did. Um, our wonderful team at TP Faith, we have a TP Faith chapter here at Freedom House. If you go to freedomhouse.cc uh, slash TP Faith, everything you need is right there. It's got a voter's guide for you. It's got a sample ballot you can pull up where you're voting, your polling place is. It's got everything for you, easy, tons of great information. And so we made it easy for you, so let's all go out and make our voices heard. Amen? Amen. So we are in this new series, Mulberry Bush, how to break free from the damaging or limiting cycles in our lives. Now, I got to be honest, I, I don't know a lot of nursery rhymes. I'm, I, I don't remember a lot. I'm sure I sung them when I was a kid. I don't remember many of them. This one does kind of stick out in my head a little bit. You know, here we go around the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush. It's repetitive, right? And that's how nursery rhymes kind of work, right? It's, it's, it's a fun way for kids to learn. The singing makes it fun, but the repetition is what makes it learning, right? Because we learn by repetition. And I wonder what repetition has taught us in our lives. I was thinking about this, and you know, I can share with you today a few things that repetition has taught me in my life. Being repeatedly ignored or left behind by my father when I was very, very young, it taught me that I didn't matter, that I was insignificant, Falling to the same weaknesses and sins over and over and over and over again taught me that I was weak and sinful, prideful, self-indulgent. Being lied to by people, being mistreated, disappointed countless times taught me not to get too attached to people. Why? Because eventually they're always going to let you down. Don't put too much stock in people, right? I mean, they're going to fail you. They're going to lie to you. They're going to mistreat you. Man, I learned a lot by repetition, and I hope you can see these are not good lessons. Not good lessons. These weren't lessons that we learn in a classroom or in a book. These are the lessons we learn the hard way through experience. If you've ever been here before at our forward classes here at the church, if you haven't, I would encourage you to sign up. They're life-changing but you learn in our forward classes that it's actually not the experiences that we have that inform us. It's actually our interpretation of those experiences that inform our lives. We know this because we see it all the time. We see it each and every day. We see two people that had the same experiences. Maybe they went through a childhood trauma. Maybe they had a parent that was an alcoholic. And one person responds one way, and the other person responds a totally different way. Anybody ever seen that before? Maybe you were one of those two people. Maybe you had a sibling, and they went this direction, and you went that direction. And so we know it's not the experience, but it's my interpretation of the experience that informs my life. And I wonder today this question has kind of haunted me, and I want, to, I want to put this, plant this seed deep into your mind, deep into your soul today. I hope you will ask this question. What has repetition taught me about me? 
What has life taught me about me? What is repetition, the things that I've experienced, the things that I've done over and over and over again? What have I learned about me? How do I view my quality? How do I view my value? How do I view my purpose? And if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Fine China or Paper Plate. Fine China or paper plate, because I think many of us have developed a paper plate mentality. We see ourselves as disposable, as insignificant, as common. And this is really important because how we see our identity will influence everything in our lives. It will influence how you plan, how you view yourself, how you treat others. It will touch everything. It will change Everything. I heard this story the other day. I actually read this story by Dr. Tony Evans when he was married as a young man. He married back in 1970. His um, wife, his dear wife, just recently passed away. I was sad to see that. But uh, they were married in the year 1970, and he took his first ministry post up in New York. They lived in this small little apartment. And, you know, when you get married, her, her maiden name was Lois Cannings. But as a woman, traditionally, when you're married you change your name. And so she went from Lois Cannings to Lois Evans. And one day, a few weeks into their marriage, the phone rings. And she answers the phone, and the person on the other end says, yes, may I speak with Mrs. Evans, please? And without skipping a bit, a beat, she said, absolutely, hold the line, puts the phone down, and goes looking for Mrs. Evans. After a moment, she realized, uh-oh, I am she. She is me. I forgot who I was, and she was so embarrassed. She goes back. She picks up the phone, and Dr. Evans says that she was so embarrassed, she kind of changed her voice and said, Hello, this is Mrs. Evans. <laughs> Why did she do this? Because she had forgotten who she was. And when you forget who you are, you will never act like you should. See, when you think you are a paper plate, you will never act like fine china. God's word has a lot to say about who Jesus is and who we can be if we trust in him. Let's read this together. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. He says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Sounds important. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. See, he starts out talking about who we are, but then he starts talking about who Jesus is because you will never know who you are until you understand who Jesus already is. You'll never know who Jesus can turn you into until you know who Jesus already is. Verse 7, he says, Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him, but for those who reject him. And notice he doesn't say for those who are still making up their mind. For those who think Jesus is good, they're just not fully following him. For those 
who think he's a prophet, a good man. They haven't come to terms yet. For those who are still mulling it over, no, he says, for those who reject him. Why? Because every one of us has to make a decision about what we will do with Jesus. And you either trust in him or you reject him. It's a binary choice. Wow, that seems kind of extreme. Well, the reason is because his claims are extreme. He doesn't say, I'm a good man. He doesn't say, I'm a great teacher. He doesn't say, I'm a prophet. No, he says, I am the son of the living God. I am God wrapped in flesh, sent on a mission of mercy to save you, to die for your sins. What will you do with that? Will you trust him or will you reject him? He says the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that. That's where you shout. Let me read it again. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. I don't know about you. That kind of sounds like fine china, doesn't it? Sounds like we're kind of special. Sounds like God's put something pretty awesome inside of us. He says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Peter's message in this book is how to live holy lives that glorify God even through suffering and persecution. And when you read the book of 1 Peter, what he does, and, and it kind of mess with you a little bit because you get a little grumpy reading 1 Peter because he reaches into your life and he literally takes every excuse you have right out of your hands. He just rips the excuses away from you not to follow God, not to live up to what God has put inside of you. He starts in chapter 1 by reminding us of the beauty and the wonder of our salvation. He points to all the benefits, all the blessings that are found in Christ. How we are saved by his grace and made new by his resurrection. He talks about our inheritance. How awesome is this inheritance? He says it's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Isn't it good to know that God has an inheritance for you? It's eternal, that no one can steal, no one can tarnish, no one can take. It's unfading, it's glorious, and it's yours. Man, that's awesome. But in verse 12, he really grabbed me. I'm reading over and over again, and, and I kept coming back to verse 12. It's so awesome what he says. He says, he says even the angels long to look into the, the message, the gospel of grace that has been preached to you who believe. He says, what you've received from God as a Christian, as a believer, is so precious, so powerful, so mysterious, so robust, so amazing, so world-changing, that even the angels in heaven want to just look, just peer into the gospel the angels look at you and they look at me that have been saved and they just are amazed at what God has done in us. 
The angels look at you and it blows their mind. They're like, how can God do that with him? With her? They're blown away. To summarize, he says, what a God we serve. What a Savior we have in Jesus. And so Peter has carefully laid out. He's told us who Jesus is. He's told us what Jesus has done, but now he tells us who Jesus causes us to become. He says we are a chosen people. Everybody say we are a chosen people. He says we are a royal priesthood. Say we are a royal priesthood. He says we are a holy nation. Say we are a holy nation. And so I can no longer walk around and around the mulberry bush. Can't live that way anymore. I've tried. It just doesn't stick. It just there's something in me pushing me to change, to be different. I can't settle for a half-hearted pursuit of the Savior that loves me this much. I can't waste my life trapped by the old patterns. Why? Because I'm part of a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and I've been created by the Master with exceptional quality with a unique purpose, and with eternal value. And if your faith has been put in Jesus, so have you. You are not a paper plate. You have been made fine china. And if you're a Christian, this should fire you up. And if you're not a Christian, I would invite you today to measure your life, what you've experienced so far without Jesus, against what God offers you in Jesus. Because no one will ever love you like God. No one will treat you better. No thing will satisfy you like the love of our God. And so I invite you today. Maybe you're here and you're kicking the tires. You're like, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I would invite you today. Measure what you've had, what you've experienced against the gospel against what God offers you in Jesus. What does Peter say? He says, being a Christian, it's going to change the way you live. It has to. It has to change you. It makes a difference. It changes how you do, what you do, how you behave. But it always starts with who you are. With who you are. So who are we? Number one, we are a chosen people. We are a chosen people. See, Christians are part of a special group called the church. And when the Bible talks about being chosen, it isn't talking about individual salvation. It's not God going, well, I'll pick you to be saved, and I'll pick you to be saved, and I'll pick you to be saved. You, uh, not so much. It's not what God's talking about. When you read scripture, in the Bible talks about election and chosen and his chosen people It's talking about calling and purpose. How God wants to use us to build his kingdom, to serve others. Peter tells us why we have become a chosen people. 1 Peter 2, verse 9, after he says that we're a chosen people, he says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You can reflect The brilliance of God. I love how Paul says it here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And it's so important that you guys don't get this twisted. You don't misunderstand what the Bible's teaching because God does not save you so he can use you. He saves you because he loves you. And having God use you, getting to be on God's team is a bonus. He's throwing that in on top. He saves you to qualify you for the team. See, when I was young, my first love was basketball. You might not think that, but I'm telling you, man, growing up, oh, man, I would have given anything to play, but I didn't have the gifts. I didn't have, you know, I'm tall, but I wasn't that tall. I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't fast enough to play the position I would have needed to play. And see, every one of us in here, we want the things that being on God's team offers. We want the peace. We want the purpose. We want the meaning. We want the power. We want the joy. We want the camaraderie. We want the connectedness. We want everything that being on God's team offers us. Every one of us in our heart, we want it so bad. Sometimes we don't even know how bad we want it. But that's the thing that keeps you up at night. Everything you've ever wanted or desired is wrapped up in the purpose that God has for you. To be on his team. But here's the problem. You're not gifted enough. You're not tall enough spiritually. You're too short. You're too slow. You're not holy enough. Not holy enough to be on God's team. Nobody is holy enough to be on God's team. But then... The moment you were saved, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God reached down inside of you and he changed everything. All of a sudden, this little four foot five shrimp you were on the inside, all of a sudden now you're a spiritual seven footer. (laughs) See, when you're saved, God has recreated you new in him. Peter's saying, God qualified you for the team. You're not short anymore. Now you're a seven-footer. God has made you shack on the inside. Stop walking around like you're Kevin Hart. You're not a midget. You're not a spiritual shrimp. You're not slow anymore. No, God has gifted you. And when you realize that you're fine china, you will see your life differently. What's the first thing any great basketball player needs in order to play? Needs a team, right? God's gifted us. He's changed you. Now, man, you can, man, you can dunk. You can go into paint. You can do all the things, man, like you're fired up. Man, I want to go to war in the spirit. I want to serve God. What's the first thing you need? You need a team. Even Michael Jordan couldn't win without a team, right? None of us can win Without a team, we can't even play without a team. And Peter is showing us here that just like fine china, we all belong in a set. You belong in a specific church. Not just any church, a specific church. Well, why can't I find a church that fits me? Because the the church God designed you for, four churches back, you kept leaving. Every time you're offended, you leave the church. Well, they said something to me. I don't care what they said to you. You're called to be in a set. And if you're fine china and you've got the red little roses around the top of your teacup and you go over here into this set that's green and has a different pattern, you look weird. 
You stick out. So some of us go church to church to church, hopping around, feeling weird, never fitting in. Why? Because we won't be planted and be part of the set that God created us to fit into. God didn't just throw you together. He didn't just make you any old way. No, he designed you for a purpose. You belong in a specific church at a specific time for a specific purpose. And as a Christian, you are forever part of the church, right? We're all part of the church. But how can you actively function as part of the church without being part of a church? That doesn't even make sense. You've got to be on the team. You've got to be part of the church. Every single Christian is on the team. But some don't realize it. So they don't show up for practice. When the coach calls your number, you're not ready to play. How can we make this practical? Very, very simply, two words. Show up. Show up. See, if I don't go to a Hornets game this week, if I don't go and buy a ticket, go attend the Hornets game, did you know, I know this is shocking because I'm a pretty big deal, but no one misses me. I know, I'm kind of offended myself. Like, I don't go to a Hornets game. Nobody calls me. Nobody checks in. Nobody's like, hey, man, where are you at? The game's at seven. Like, where are you? No one calls. Why? Because I'm not on the team. But if I were the starting center for the Charlotte Hornets and I didn't show up game after game after game, would someone notice? It would be all over ESPN, right? It'd be all over the news. Where is this guy? He's not showing up for the game. And most of us think when we don't show up for church, nobody notices. Let me tell you, in, the, in heaven, you're making the news. You might be the starting center, and God's like, hey, where's John at? He, I mean, he was going to be our star player today. Like, I had a purpose for him to be in the house of God today. Where's he at, man? He's like, I don't know, God. I have his jersey pressed like everything's ready to go. I don't know where John is. Somebody call John on the phone right now, and you're at home feeling like something's missing in your life. That's the Holy Spirit calling you, saying, where are you at? Why are you in bed? Why aren't you at the game? We need you today. We have a, a position for you to play. We, we've designed a, a purpose for you. We've got a game plan built around you. And you didn't show up. Don't think it's a big deal. Oh, he's just talking about going to church. Just going to church don't change anything. Going to church not a big deal. So I miss church sometimes. I mean, I come once a month. I don't see what the big deal is. Okay. I'll show you how big of a deal it is. Close your eyes for a second. Everybody close your eyes. I want you to think about this. Just imagine it. Just picture it in your head. Picture major cities all across this nation. Picture New York. Picture Chicago. Picture Miami. Picture Charlotte. Picture L.A. And next Sunday, every Christian shows up ready to play. Picture it in your head. Every freeway would be shut down. Traffic would grind to a halt. It would be on the evening news. Christians come out in millions in America. Churches packed. Overflow services. 
Generosity explodes. The homeless are welcomed in. Cities changed. You can open your eyes. Now look at me. You don't think it matters? If just one Sunday, and let me tell you something. Maybe there won't be a Sunday where every single Christian comes, but there's coming revival in our country. There's coming a day where all these seats in here are going to be full of people. There's coming a day where God is going to move sovereignly by his Holy Spirit through us. And we're going to see an outbreak of revival like we have never seen before. And let me make you one promise. On that day, when we're on the news, when there's people streaming into those doors in the back, let me tell you something right now. I won't be at home. I'll be here. I'll be one of the people. I won't be watching it on the news. Regretting, oh God, you moved, you poured out your spirit. And I missed it. I don't want to be that person to you. I don't want to miss what God is going to do. Why? Because I'm part of a chosen people. He's equipped me to be on the team. I'm not going to lay out when it's game time. Man, I've spent my life getting ready for this. And we're in the last days, guys. It's game time. It's time to get your jersey on. Get in the game. You're a chosen people. Let's go. Let's get fired up about what God has deposited inside of us to know that I am fine. China, God has given me purpose. Peter doesn't stop there. He goes on. He says, not only are we a chosen people, he says, we are a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Peter took this from Exodus Chapter 19, verse 6, where God tells Israel that you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. Now, all of Israel were not priests. They weren't all wearing the ephod and doing the sacrifices. Some of them were carpenters. Some of them were farmers. Some of them were shepherds. But what God was saying was that the purpose of the nation of Israel was not secular, but spiritual. You see, we need to understand this, that when you follow Jesus... You aren't an engineer who happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian that happens to be an engineer. Your life, everything you touch, has purpose. It has purpose. But many of us have a paper plate mentality. We settled for the lie that my life is meant for common purposes. I'm not a pastor. I don't have a title. I'm not spiritual. I don't do this. Nobody knows who I am. I'm just a fill-in-the-blank. I'm just a school teacher. I just drive a bus. I just, I'm just a carpenter. I just clean up. I just do this. I just work in an office. I just, I'm just a secretary. I'm just an attorney. What can God do with that? Listen, guys, I'm just a Christian that happens to be a pastor. And there is no more and no greater reward for me obeying God to be a pastor than for you obeying God to be an engineer. See, our mind hears that and goes, yeah, that makes sense, but we don't believe it in our heart. We don't live that way. That our vocation matters that when I go to work, I'm a priest. I'm in a royal priesthood. Why? Because we look at Dr. Tony Evans, and we look at our campus pastors, and we look at Pastor Troy and Penny, and we go, well, they're in full-time ministry. Let me tell you something, Christian. Every Christian is in full-time ministry. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are in full-time ministry. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, he says, Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule in all the churches. Why? Paul is talking to people who felt like they had to change the circumstances of their life in order to serve God. Well, I'm married, they would say, so I need to be single. I'm going to leave my wife, leave my husband so I can devote myself to God. Paul says, no, stop, stop. They say, well, I'm uncircumcised. I'm a Gentile. I'm going to go get circumcised. Paul says, no, stop. They said, well, I'm working. I'm in this, this industry, and I'm going to quit. I'm going to, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to go be at the church or be at the temple or be a missionary. Paul says, stop. He says, whatever circumstance you were in when God saved you, stay right there because God saved you for a purpose because he wants to use you right there. God needs you in your office. And when you go to your office, you don't go as an office worker. You go as a royal priest. You walk in that place in the anointing and power of God. You're there to serve people. You're there to be set apart. You're there to point people to a living God. Stop feeling guilty about the ministry that God never called you to. And start doing the ministry that's right in front of you. We have opportunities each and every day, all of us do, to serve God and to love people. How can this be practical? Very simple. This week on your job, be opposite from everyone else. Be set apart. Don't go in seeking a promotion, trying to make more money, close the deal, be the best, be the boss, elevate, climb the corporate ladder. No, just go and find one way this coming week, just one, to just serve somebody. Just to do something totally selfless. You'll be shocked at when you do something for no other reason just to love and bless someone else with no thought of return for yourself. How different that is and how much it points people to your Savior. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. So when we emulate him, we point to him. Imagine Imagine if every Christian leveraged their relationships, their jobs, their hobbies to serve other people and glorify God. Can you imagine that? A world full of Christians that were just selflessly loving, selflessly serving. People would see Christ in you. Finally, Peter says, we are a holy nation. Everybody say we're a holy nation. We're a holy nation. Now, holiness gets a bad rap. Gets such a bad rap. This is what actually made me think of this message about fine china because your, your best dishes are brought out for special occasions, right? You bring out the good stuff for special occasions or for special people. They're set apart. The point is to draw attention to and elevate the person or the occasion. Does my life draw attention to and glorify God. Is my life set apart? Holiness is not about being a rule follower. It's about living a set apart life that points to Jesus, that glorifies Jesus, that elevates Jesus. Notice in verses six through eight that God wants us to understand that Jesus is not just the cornerstone, but he is also the stumbling block. You see, everything comes down to Jesus. 
Will we trip or will we trust? Verse 8 tells us why people stumble. Because they do not obey God's word. Now this expression used to mess me up. Because I would read all through the New Testament, obey, obey, obey. And I thought, but I thought we're saved by grace. So if I'm not able to obey fully or perfectly, I need God's grace. And if I'm saved by grace, why do I need to obey? Like, I don't understand. And then the Lord showed me that's not what he's talking about here at all. You see, when I ask my son to help me with a home project, and I'm going to take just a minute to brag on my son. My son's named Matthew. He's in the back. He hates when I do this because he hates attention. But I'm going to brag on him because I can. I'm his dad. I get, I get that special privilege of being a dad, right? You get to brag on your son. He's a hard-working little rascal. That kid works hard. If I do a home project, like, he's all about it. Last year, we put out, like, 17 bags of mulch, and we were, like, redoing our backyard, and he's out there, man. He outworked me. I mean, he was carrying those bags and sweating and just working hard. I'm like, man, you go. But if you're a dad in here, you understand what I'm about to say. When you have a son and you ask him to help you on a home project, you don't need him to be a general contractor or a home improvement expert, right? You just need him to bring you the, the screwdriver. Like, son, just hold the flashlight still. Like I'm in this little dark thing trying to do something and the light's like, you know, moving all over the place. I'm like, son, just hold the thing still. Because they always want to give you their input and I'm like, son, I love you. I don't need your opinion or your advice. I just need you to bring me the screwdriver. I just need you to hold the flashlight still. And it's the same thing with God. See, we all have our ideas about how to save ourselves, change ourselves, run our lives. And obeying God is not moral perfection. It's not following all the rules. Obeying God is trusting in him. It's being humble enough to do it his way. It's not going to God saying, but God, I need to do this, and God, I need to do that, and God, I need to do this. And God says, no, 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 stop. Just hold the flashlight. Well, that seems so simple. That seems so insignificant. Yeah, because that's all you can handle. That's all I can handle sometimes. Sometimes my faith isn't strong enough to read the Bible for four hours a day. Sometimes I just need to stop and pray for five minutes. Sometimes I just need to do what God is asking me to do. It can't be that simple. Look with me at John chapter 6, verse 29. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe. He says, believe in the one he has sent. He doesn't say, go be circumcised and follow all the Jewish, Jewish rules and regulations and sacrifice and do this and observe the Sabbath and do. No, 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 no. He says, this is the work. Believe. Believe in Jesus. Submit to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. That is the work and the most set-apart thing any one of us can do is to humble ourselves and just do it God's way. Stop trying to fix it ourselves and to say, God, I'm going to stop trusting me and I'm going to start trusting you. Is there a habit? Is there a pattern? Is there a sin in your life that God 
the Father has been asking you to walk away from. Just let go of it. His heart is not to deny you the things you need or desire. His heart is to prepare you for special use. He has a place of honor for you. And just like I took a minute and I bragged on my son, God is up in heaven and he just wants to brag on you. He just wants to say, look at my son. Look at my daughter like she's getting it. The angels are probably like, that? She didn't even do anything. The God's knocking them over like, no, look, 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 look. He's getting it. She's getting it. She's starting to trust me. He's starting to believe me. He's doing what I asked him to do. Even if it's a small thing, you make God's heart so proud. Because he's a good father and he loves you and you're fine china and you're a chosen people and he's made you with purpose. And when you just humble yourself and trust in Jesus and say, God, what is it you want me to do right now? And just do the thing. Just hold the flashlight still. Maybe for you today, that's just coming to church. Maybe that's just showing up every Sunday. Maybe that's today giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Maybe it's giving God a little bit more control of your finances. Maybe it's repenting to your husband or your wife. Whatever it is, I don't know. And you're not here to please me. You're not here to please anybody else. You're here to please your father. And he's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for excellence. He's looking for humility. He's looking for trust. Will you trust me? What would happen if we begin to see ourselves, our lives... As fine china, as chosen and holy, as set apart for something sacred and important. It would cause us to become intentional with our spiritual lives. Because here's the thing, guys. You don't throw fine china in the dishwasher. It has that gold or silver inlay, like the little around the edges. You throw it in the dishwasher, messes all that up. They tell you don't wash it with like, don't put like lemon juice and things like that. Like it'll, it'll damage it. It'll destroy it. And fine china will last like centuries, but you can also destroy it. It's very fragile. And so when you have fine china, when you've paid a steep price, you protect it. And here's what you need to know today about your life. Your life, your purpose your testimony, your ministry as a royal priest is worth protecting. He doesn't want you to stop circling the mulberry bush because he's trying to hold something from you. No, it's because you're so special. He's endued you with gifts, with power, with purpose. And he says, man, it's precious. The clock is ticking. Each and every day, the opportunity for you to shine, to reflect his brilliance, his glory. It's a day gone by. He says, don't waste it. Protect it. Value it. Why? Because you are not disposable. You are not interchangeable. But the most important person, the most important person to be convinced of your value is you because until you believe it you'll just keep circling that mulberry bush
use paper plates for any old thing, right? You're done, you just throw them away. That's not who God's called you to be. You belong in a set. He's got his imprint on your life. And when people look close enough, they see the place of your origin. You were crafted in heaven. God knew you before he formed the earth. That's how special you are to God. And he wants you to walk in it. If you're ready today to see yourself through his eyes, to see yourself the way God sees you, will you stand on your feet? I believe some of us We're tired of living based on that lesson of repetition. The experiences we've had, the bad experiences, I think some of us are ready to see through God's eyes. His Holy Spirit is here. He's here. He wants to touch you right now. He wants to speak to your heart. And I think today, more than anything else, He wants to open your eyes so you can see what He sees. See how precious you are. See the purpose he has for you. I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a moment. Close your eyes. If you're joining us online, I want to invite you to participate. We've got some amazing people, a team that loves you. They're there to pray with you, to chat with you. If you have questions, we just love you so much. And if you're in this room today and you say, and I've never really seen my value or my worth. I've never looked at myself as precious you today that Jesus left heaven for you. If you've never responded to that love, if you've been rejecting him, holding him off, and you'd say today, I want to trust in him. Tired of tripping, I want to trust. I want to put my faith, my heart, my trust, my life, my future in his hands. If that's you today and you want to make a change with your life, if that's you, would you just lift up your hand right now? We want to say a simple prayer of faith. Amen. I see that hand. Amen. We're going to pray with you right now. And I believe when we pray this church, maybe you've been a Christian for many years, but maybe you've lost that value of who you are. I believe when we pray this prayer, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. I think some of us are going to see maybe for the first time today, the value that God has in us. Let's pray this together. Pray it out loud. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. He rose again to give me new life. And I receive that gift. I receive it by faith. I ask you right now, open my eyes that I can see who you've created me to be. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I want to live for you. Jesus' name, amen.